Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I am Ben Kissel. As always, I'm staring at the face of Marcus Parks. It has a lot less saliva than Joe Kennedy. <laughs> Isn't that nice, Marcus? It wasn't saliva, it was chapstick, <laughs> all right? We'll get into the Democratic response to Trump's State of the Union a little bit later on here in the show. Saliva does not stay that shiny for that long. Oh, my. what is with politicians <laughs> and things around their mouth? Remember when Ted Cruz the, the ate tonsil his... tonsil stone, oh, yeah. I've never seen it before. I've never seen a human being with things on the side of their on the side of their face maybe uh, what's the name of the guy that I like so much uh, uh, Jeff Bridges Jeff, Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges. from the movie K-Pax <laughs> he's got something going on but that was a character choice I don't think that Joe Kennedy the third wanted to go on there with a globular but anyway and we'll also get into the actual substantive uh, yes. <laughs> content of his uh, speeches as in addition to his uh, chapstick problem well, some catchphrases thrown around there but we'll get into that so let's talk here uh, about the State of the Union. First off, there was a retreat for the Republicans today. Mm -hmm. They were going to celebrate, I suppose, what they thought to be a great State of the Union for Donald Trump, as Marcus and I talked about before the show, that bar is low, Mm -hmm. and I know that uh, we have to... um, We shouldn't even think about that, but that is the reality. Donald Trump, when he goes and performs publicly at these uh, at at, at events like the State of the Union, if he can speak and not fall over or call somebody fat or call somebody ugly, uh, he gets a standing ovation. Yes, and remember that it is not about whether Trump did a good job or not, or how good of this, how good of a performance this is compared to other Trump performances. This should only be compared to uh, other presidential performances. Is that this is not? It should not be. Seen as whether or not this is a good performance for Donald Trump or a mm-hmm. good speech for Donald Trump, but whether this is a good performance for a president of the United States of America. Well, I thought there were some good takeaways, and then of course there were some negative takeaways. I'm sure that you've seen the opinion polls at this point. A uh, very high approval for the speech. Eight in ten Americans uh, who watched uh, said that they felt emboldened, empowered, pride in their country. Two thirds said the exact uh, is, is said similar uh, things. However, you have to remind yourself. Democrats and left-leaning people and a lot of people who have to go to work did not watch. It tends to be State of the Unions are consumed by people who voted for that individual. So a Republican or a Trump supporter, that most likely 
uh, are going to be the ones tuning in to Donald Trump's first State of the Union. So look at those numbers with a little bit of a grain of salt uh, because you don't have a full uh, proper polling sample of the overall electorate. Right. So let's get into the the substance of the speech, starting with what we all knew he was going to be talking about, uh, touting the economy, uh, touting his tax reform. He's on the road right now again, uh, speaking to individuals about the tax reform uh, bill that they were able to pass. Folks are going to start seeing some rewards coming in their paychecks beginning here in February. Uh, so he's very proud of that. He got a lot of uh, a, a lot of praise and for some for the most part bipartisan support there. Uh, the Congressional Black Caucus did not stand one time. Even when Donald Trump mentioned African-American unemployment, black unemployment uh, at a 45-year low, Hispanic unemployment is down, I believe, to a, uh, I forget what year low, and then unemployment in general is down to a 17-year low. They made a decision not to stand. I thought the optics were a little awkward. A little bit. um, But that was, uh, obviously, they're right. That was their uh, hashtag resist moment. I don't know if it really resonated uh, great with the American people, but again, the people who were watching, most likely Trump supporters, most likely Republicans, and the left uh, probably doesn't care if uh, they seem to be less than cooperative or respectful uh, to Donald Trump. Of course, I believe that we have to respect the presidency as an office, and I was a little bit, not dismayed, but a little bit disappointed in some people for not going. Uh, to the State of the Union, but I also understand that, that those individuals uh, represent constituents and they themselves don't believe that Donald Trump is worthy of the office. So I get it, uh, but at the same time, I think if you're invited to the State of the Union, Union did you see the, uh, the misprint? <laughs> I didn't see the Union. Uh, the Union, uh, you should go. But that's my personal opinion, and I don't have a problem uh, with them not going. But that's I, I just feel like uh, we are losing so much of our... Um, Respect for 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 uh, for the country and things like that, and it, it, when, when it comes to uh, Donald Trump. But again, I get the reason why. Well, I mean, uh, I think uh, part of it is that uh, Donald Trump is taking credit for a lot of things <clears throat> that uh, he should not be taking credit for. I mean, and I know every uh, president <laughs> does this. You know, when the economy is going well, they uh, they say it's my it, it is my doing, and when the economy is going bad, they say it was the last guy's doing. Uh, but with a, a lot of the economic gains and a lot of the mm. things the positive things like just for example the uh, black and Hispanic unemployment uh, that he uh, claimed were due to him both of those things uh, I'll, I'll both of those things mm. in particular and a lot of the tr- things that he uh, talked about as his own accomplishments, those were all trends that began in the Obama years mm. and not even late in the Obama years, like mid-Obama years. Like right. the, These are things uh, that – and it wasn't early Obama years either where it could have been attributed to George W. Bush. I mean those, these well, were things would, they, they that, were, that started in the Obama years that could be attributed to the Obama years. Of course, you could never attribute anything economically to George W. Bush when it comes to Barack Obama. When Barack Obama took office – in 08, we were in a recession. Yes. So he did do a good job of getting us out of said recession. Donald Trump took over a fairly strong economy. One of the issues with Obama, because of some of the regulations that he had put in place, was the growth was slow. 
Mm -hmm. And Donald Trump is saying, because I've, uh, you know, uh, deregulated so much of our industry, the growth is coming faster because of me. And sort of with the kind of when you drift in NASCAR, kind of drifting on the Obama legacy and saying that he is even taking it one step further as he drifts uh, past and pushes the metal uh, to the floor. Yeah, and this deregulation. Or the pedal to the metal. <laughs> deregulation uh, in a, a lot of these cases is, is dangerous. You know, he, he's in not. Some. Yeah, in some cases. The well, dereg- such, as, such as the offshore drilling, yes. which is anyone, uh, any, any, no shore is safe unless, of course, it's in Florida. Yeah. Uh, which is very interesting. <laughs> I, I wonder if he's trying to uh, perhaps win a state in a couple of years. Extremely interesting. And, uh, of course, uh, their governor is also looking to really get involved in more national politics. Yeah. Uh, and and deregulation. Regulation. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's the same thing we see again and again. Is that I think we are going to see because of Donald Trump some short-term gains. We are going to see yep. some some short-term about uh, economic uh, gains here. Uh, Thousand bucks in your wallet if you're uh, you know receiving that tax credit. Yeah, like that. we're going to be getting that. That's that is definitely going to happen. But those short-term gains are going to come at the cost of the future. Uh, we see it again and again. Uh, well, which is why I am upset that the corporate tax cut has been made permanent yes. and the middle class <laughs> tax cut is not. Because who do you think is going to be footing the bill in the future when the taxes go up? Of Obviously, course. one party cannot legally uh, have their taxes go up and the other ones, us, mm-hmm. will have our taxes go up whenever they need it. Absolutely. I mean, these, these things are... Uh, it's going to come back to bite us in the ass in the future. It's uh, very possible, and, and it's a, it's a, it's a short-term fix, you know. And I, we talked about this last week, yep. uh, where the, this is a re-election fix. Uh, this is something it's that midterms are, in 2020. Yep. Going to be, it's a midterm fix. People are going to be seeing some very real uh, economic consequence uh, from Donald Trump's and the Republicans' policies, well, and it's going to be the, a, aver- the average age of a. Po- Positive consequence. Yeah, the, I mean, the average age of a Trump supporter—they don't really have to look to the future. <laughs> uh, they don't have; they're not thirty or twenty-five. No. You know, they, they don't really have a lot of future to go. So they say, you know, perhaps the next generation can deal with this as yeah. I collect a little bit more money right now. But at the same time, we should remember there are a lot of really hardworking people out there who want to feed their families, and a thousand bucks goes a long way. Thousand bucks does definitely go a long way. But when the consequences come in the future, when the chickens come home to roost on all this. Uh, we're going to feel it. So let's go into a little bit more of the speech. That was economics. That got, uh, you know, applause fairly bipartisan in some ways. Uh, But there is a lot of very interesting things other than the economy, other than tax reform. Um, When it comes to immigration, he equivocates um, DACA and illegal immigrants, undocumented immigrants, with the MS-13 gang. And he paints them all with the exact same brush. He had individuals there. There was a lot of pawns uh, that Donald Trump used during this 4D chess match, Marcus. <laughs> uh, in this case, it was, the, and you know, I'm not being uh, mean or rude to these people. They lost a daughter. It was uh, Kayla Suivez, I believe, and Nisa, and Nisa uh, Mickens. Uh, no, they were the two that were killed by MS-13 gang members, and their parents were there. This was in Long Island. So these two individuals lost their life to an MS-13, two MS-13 gang members. Horrible. Their family is obviously distraught and devastated. But I think it's important to remember, first of all, um, 
Immigrants have a less crime rate, have a lower crime rate uh, than citizens. Much lower. Uh, than, than, uh, than, and uh, that's not just to immigrants, that's undocumented immigrants. Exactly. And, and the second of all, they are not all part of these MS-13 gangs. He's really propping up this gang in a way that I have never seen before. And he is attempting to use them to, again, paint an entire group of people. My father is an immigrant. And to my knowledge, he is not currently in MS-13. Uh, I don't think he plans on joining unless they want a six foot four uh, German immigrant to really go uh, take out the trash. Uh, last time I saw him, he didn't have a teardrop tattoo. Um, at no point has he referenced um, any kind of like prison activity. So I, I, I think it is it was um, not needed and dangerous that Donald Trump tries to lump all immigrants together with this gang, which every single person agrees is horrible. Yeah. And it's not as if they're allowed to murder or rob or whatever. They get arrested. They get, they get uh, sentenced. What they do is illegal. And they are treated uh, as if they have just committed a crime when they are busted for a crime. Mm -hmm. So they pretend there's this notion out there that somehow undocumented people or illegal immigrants, if you want to say that, get away with murder. And they point to Kate Steinle, this very unique outlier situation uh, that occurred in San Francisco. And obviously the individual that committed uh, that crime, I, I thought that the, the jury was wrong, just like Ted Bundy thought. Uh, <laughs> but I thought the jury was wrong in that case. Nonetheless, he's still detained in a federal uh, prison. So it really, it, it's uh, not true when it comes to this idea that undocumented people have more rights on, under our current criminal justice system than citizens. Well, the argument that uh, a lot of anti-immigrant people make is, well, if that per it doesn't matter that it's already illegal. Right. If those people uh, weren't here at all, then that person would still be alive. But that, but it's not a reason. That's not, it's how, not a reason that's how it works. No, no, that's no, not it's how not, human beings work. No, right? that's not yeah. how human beings work. I mean, you you can make an argument that if we didn't have cars, then no one would drive. No one would die in car accidents. Sure. You know, it's it's the it's the same kind of logic. Uh, and I think they're just, mind. you know, it, so there are just uh, there are some bad individuals who are in this country. We all know. And the criminal justice system is dealing with them just as they dealt with them under Barack Obama. When it comes to ICE, there's a reason Obama was named deporter in chief. Uh, you know, this whole notion that somehow the federal government has been easy on these people is a it, it's just simply not accurate. It is not true. And I think it was a massive, obviously, disservice uh, to DACA, uh, to those kids, to try to paint them in the same light as gang members of a very violent gang that is heavily monitored by, uh, uh, by our intelligence community and by our police force. So he had a soldier from ICE, or a, um, I guess an agent from ICE, Celest uh, Celestino Martinez, he was there um, and he pointed him out in the crowd to really talk about, again, MS-13 and how that is really um, uh, a cornerstone in him formulating his immigration policies. And I think that that is not a good place because it's not indicative and it's not representative of actual undocumented immigrants, but that is formulating or help him for, uh, helping him formulate his immigration policies. And I think what's a worldview issue. It's very much a worldview issue, but I think it's also uh, what he's trying to paint here is he's trying to paint illegal immigrants as horrific criminals. It's so classic. When, it's Willie Horton 2.0. Well, it's so when they get put into prisons, 
we won't mind so much. Well, that's because, yeah. and, but that's the thing is that this is not a uh, th- this kind of tactic is not something that is uh, specific to Donald Trump or to Republicans. I mean, you look back at what Bill Clinton, the Clintons did back in oh the nineties with super predators. Dude, you know, like I'm they use this they use this gang thing as a way to fill up the prisoner the prisons, so we won't feel so bad, so we think they deserve it. Ding ding ding! I got a hot take. <laughs> ding ding ding! Hot take moment. I watched Bill Clinton's State of the Union from ninety four. I highly recommend it. It sounded more conservative than Donald Trump did last night. Really? It is horrific. He is talking about the prison industrial com- or the, oh yeah, the prison industrial complex and this is where he proposes three strikes and you're out and the crowd Democrats and conservatives, Republicans and liberals went crazy. They loved it. They ate it up. Bill Clinton was such a wolf in sheep's clothing when it comes to criminal justice reform. Oh, yeah. He set us back so far he, you know, and you know, he's walking in with Strom Thurmond's behind him, literally a member of the KKK. His policies did more uh, damage uh, to uh, communities of color, uh, to impoverished communities than any Republican could ever even dream of. Go back, watch Bill Clinton 94, and you'll just scratch your head on, on how any conservative could think that he's a liberal. It is absolutely fascinating. And that's not to say that what Donald Trump is doing mm. right now is right. Like, we're no. not doing what about it. We're not doing no, no, what aboutism no. here. No. Uh, we're just. This we, is a we, problem in this country for years yes. and years and years. The, exactly. That, what we're saying here is that this is a systematic problem. Yes. This is something that has existed for a very long time. And, and none Obama of this was, shit is and, new. And to Obama's credit, he actually took this on. Lowering the crack cocaine from five times more punished than powdered cocaine. He took it on. I think he could have done a lot more. But he tried, at the very least, to steer the ship in a more appropriate direction when it comes to our criminal justice reform. And, of course, Jeff Sessions is taking it in the exact opposite direction. Absolutely. And uh, one of the people, and it must be noted, maybe we'll get to this later on, but uh, good old Joe Kennedy is right in line with Jeff Sessions when it comes to drugs and marijuana. It's unbelievable. So you got to read between the lines in these situations. Donald Trump talking about immigration. Um, talking about the wall now, right? So he sort of compromised a little bit on the wall. They're calling it a wall structure. Mm. Uh, It won't be just uh, $20 million worth of concrete poured on the border, evidently. It'll have gates and maybe a moat. Maybe a Wendy's will be in there. (laughs) I already got a moat. It's called the Rio Grande. I'm sure, yes. You know, they're just going to expand the Rio Grande. I have no, start digging. I have no idea. Um, but it seems as if they're sort of trying to go with a more rational idea because yeah. obviously you can't just have a 20-foot wall on uh, the southern border. Americans, uh, it will – there are so many issues with it. You're going to put it in the middle of the Rio Grande. If you put it in Mexico, it's a war. That is an act of a war. Yeah. You know, and there's just not a lot – you have to be uh, rational about the proposal. It seems as if he's trying to um, come around to an idea that is actually plausible. So we talked about that and then transition that into prison uh, reform. And the interesting thing about this prison reform mixed with his immigration program, if you listen to him, he talks about how he wants to find integration programs back into society for people exiting prisons. Okay? Great. Sounds awesome. I'm like, you, absolutely, we have to do that. Um, right now they are thrown after 20 years incarceration, 10 years incarceration, thrown out to society with 15 bucks or whatever they came in with. Mm -hmm. Probably not a lot of money if they still even have that there. Who knows? And then he transitions into talking about immigration 
in the context of arresting and detaining, which is just the fuel that feeds the prison industrial complex. The 10% of prisons that are private get the vast majority of undocumented uh, individuals. The thing about when we are arrested, technically, theoretically, we have constitutional rights. You arrest an undocumented individual, there is no constitutional right. There is nothing. He's talking about, by the way, reopening Guantanamo Bay. We got Guantanamo Bays all over this country. Private prisons, are tr- people are treated just as bad there as we do enemy combatants, as we treat enemy combatants in the now newly opened uh, Guantanamo Bay, which was a fascinating opening, if you think about it in context of what we're talking about regarding war with North Korea. Everything is coming back again. Yeah. ISIS, we can tout ISIS going away. We can get to North Korea here in a, in a second. But just back to immigration. You know, talking about the MS-13 gang, uh, bringing on the ICE agent, uh, his immigration policy for me is just absolutely horrific when it comes to this idea of cutting funding for sanctuary cities. Uh, his idea that the federal government has full so much federal overreach when it comes to states' rights, and I understand immigration is formed at the federal level. I get that, but I still believe uh, that states should have the right to be the home for cities that want to be sanctuary cities if that's the politics that have been um, uh, agreed upon within those uh, within those societies. And the idea that the federal government is going to go in and cut funding specifically to New York City, who pays 300000 bucks, I believe, a day to house uh, the Trump family here. Yes. Um, it's, a, it's a total nightmare if you go up Fifth Avenue. I almost wish it, it would be less there would be less police around if Donald Trump actually did shoot someone on Fifth Avenue uh, than what's going on right now. So uh, his immigration policy, I I find it to be hawkish. I find it um, to be um, just not intellectually sound. And and that's where I really have an issue. So let's go to another fella uh, that was in the crowd, this guy, Ji Sing Ho. He lost his leg while trying to escape uh, North Korea. Brutal stuff happening there. This transitioned into Donald Trump talking about what's going on in North Korea, and I got the feeling as you were watching this, this reminded me of a, of a W. Bush. Yeah. This reminded me of uh, the early days of selling the Iraq War. North Korea, they spend 24% of their GDP on military. The military says, uh, the U.S. military, uh, Mad Dog, Madison, all these folks say that they are closer to having a nuclear warhead and on an ICBM. They say they're just a couple of months away, which is much shorter timeline than was previously expected. Just got the feeling ISIS is defeated. They're bragging about ISIS being defeated. As a matter of fact, they had Army Staff Sergeant Justin Peck on there who saved a person's life while liberating Raqqa. And And ISIS, another thing that was already on the decline, uh, and it may have been accelerated, but it was also accelerated at the cost of civilian lives. Well, now Donald Trump has sort of freed up the military. So he no longer – Barack Obama would approve every drone strike. There were far too many civilian casualties under Barack Obama. And I think when he pulled out of Syria, uh, it is a, it's a series of mistakes from a series of presidents. So I'm not just going to lay the blame on, on, on Barack Obama or one individual. But I thought, I thought pulling out of uh, Syria there really allowed for ISIS to, to get a stronghold and create this idea that they might possibly even be able to have a caliphate, which is now completely destroyed. You can just see the magnifying glass shifting to North Korea, and it feels to me, 
if these State of the Unions are intended, what they are intended to be is a proposal, what proposals will be um, unveiled or unfurled throughout the year. Mm-hmm. It seems to me like within this year, we might see some actual military action when it comes to North Korea, when it comes to Kim Jong-un. What does it mean? Do we do what we did in Iraq, which theoretically we won after Saddam yeah. Hussein was, was hung? Of course, that's not true. What happens to the 25 million North Koreans? Does China, China would have a massive refugee pro, uh, problem. I think most of them would go to China. Culturally, it's more similar, uh, specifically when it comes to style of governance. What would happen if we go in and have military action taking place in North Korea? What's victory? What's not victory? Is it a proxy war? Of course, we have the Russians who are heavily financing North Korea. What does that mean? We have a situation where Donald Trump refuses to, to uh, implement the sanctions that were passed in a bipartisan manner against the Russians. Which is a much bigger deal than it's being uh, made out to be. Right. <laughs> it's a, this, is a, this is a huge thing. The, 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 I mean, it's about the closest to a constitutional crisis that we've had. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, Congress passed sanctions and Donald Trump refuses to implement them. Yes, that is, I mean, that is a almost textbook constitutional crisis. This is amazing um, stuff. So in the context of, you know, uh, global foreign policy and war and peace, what would it look like? We have the Olympics coming up here. We're obviously going to be in South Korea. We have Kim Jong-un attempting to create a a little bit of stability, a little bit of peace. uh, The North Korean officials are meeting with some South Korean officials in the demilitarized zone, which is quite significant. They rarely do it. Uh, So I do think they want to have a peaceful uh, Winter Olympics because if they mess with my curling... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and if, if ice skating is interrupted for even a second, I will freak out. And this is a big year for ice skating. At, oh, huge year, yeah, of course. Like Tanya coming out. Everyone's oh in it goodness. again. We have the situation uh, that happened in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago uh, when it was a, uh, the, the fake uh, missile test. This person was like, it's real. Evidently, by the way, that person who was working uh, for this, uh, for this um, government of Hawaii, for the, for the government over there that, that said it's real, he kept on. He like messed up all the time. They're like he had a history of of treating um, tests as if they were real. I'm like, what? <laughs> then why the? That's his only job is to be intelligent enough to be like that's. A t-. And apparently in the in the uh, in the message that they got, it said like test over and over and over again. It's like no, don't worry about it. It's not real. And the guy still just like freaked out. Yeah. He's the opposite of the guy who saved the world. The Russian. <laughs> Uh, who the Russians thought on their satellites they saw 17 missiles coming from the U.S. He's like, let's think about it. This guy was like, well, we better. <laughs> and we better reason, get on it. And the reason why the governor didn't come out to calm down everyone is because he couldn't remember his Twitter password. Yes. <laughs> so, Which I understand. I've, I've forgotten my Twitter password many a time. You know. I'm also not the governor of a, United, of a state. I think it's I- IGE is his name. Iggy, I think it is. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. That was so embarrassing. <laughs> Uh, but that's okay. So the tension is really there, and you you can feel it ramping up. Uh, people are getting, uh, you know, uh, they they are really getting concerned when it comes to North Korea. How much of this is Donald Trump attempting to get a rally around the flag moment? The political side of this very real. Donald Trump, despite the fact the economy is doing well, sits at on a great poll, forty percent. Would the American people, do we have the will to go into a military situation with a fatalistic regime? Not yet. And you can just see the slow, but Marcus, I'm, I'm telling I mean, you. Not, not well, yet. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Not, not yet. I mean, because I don't. Five, six months. He just, you know, he also had the parents of Otto Warmbier, uh, which was unbelievably sad, that case. If you don't, 
If you haven't, and I'm assuming you probably haven't, I don't know how a lot of people who have, listen to his father talk about Otto Warmbier's father. Of course, he was the person who was uh, detained for over a year for stealing a propaganda poster. Yeah, dumb thing to do in North Korea. If he did it, I don't believe anything. <laughs> but who knows? Um, his father described what it was like when Otto Warmbier came back. He said his teeth were rearranged, literally top on the bottom, bottom on the top. His legs were both broken. He had, couldn't hear. He was blind. I don't believe he had a tongue. He said he was shrieking uh, like a non-human. He's, he, was, he was gone. Yeah. Uh, it, it's brutal. It's extremely sad. So we have the, we have the, um, uh, the escapee from North Korea. We have Otto Warmbier's parents there. It's sugar and it, it, it's sugar and spice. You've got you've got the sweet, inspiring story, and you've right. got the horrific story so all better, at the same time. I, exactly. You know. So we want to go liberate this guy or people that uh, that this guy represents, and we want to go make sure that that never happens again to Otto Warmbier. Exactly. And it's just the, the, just watch this slow tread because I, I see it happening, and I think we're going to get closer and closer and closer uh, to military action in North Korea, and it's not going to happen overnight. But it will happen, my prediction is, this year. If it's going to happen, it happens this year. And if it happens before the midterm elections, what does that actually look like? What does that mean? If history is any indication, I think it would help the the party in power. I think so. And I think that that would help the Republicans. And you've got the propagandists, even at the low level, uh, in Infowars, Alex Jones, you know, the alt-right media that are banging the drums to North Korea Yeah, the anti-globalist alt-right that uh, don't want foreign intervention unless, of course, Donald (laughs) Trump is doing it or setting up a global government or being literally the prison planet and and helping create it. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, 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 against all that stuff unless Donald Trump is doing it. They've been beating the drum for North Korea for a while now. Uh, And what I'm starting to see uh, In North Korea, I mean, we all, and the thing is, we all agree. Yeah. Kim Jong Un is horrible. Of course, the people we all are agree. starving. He, we all the, agree. That. I want to. I, I wish those twenty five million people were living much better lives. Mm-hmm. We all agree. And the the horrific thing that I'm I'm starting to see is that if you really want to see where the policies go, if you want to see what's going to happen in the future, <clears throat> you look at the guys on the bottom. You look at the little guys. You know, all of this shit kind of started from the bottom up. You know, it, it all starts at these low levels and then slowly mm-hmm. worms its way up into uh, American consciousness. Uh, and Alex Jones and all those guys, they've and Breitbart, they beat the drum, man. I mean, they, they beat the drum hard. Uh, and, you know, looking mm-hmm. at what possible mil- military intervention in North Korea, like, what does that look like? Do we have, troops, do we have troops on the ground marching into Pyongyang? Like, do we have Who just, knows? do we have airstrikes? airstrikes? Do we start with airstrikes? And then, because we have quite a few troops in South Korea already. I would, I would be willing to bet, obviously, they're war gaming a lot of scenarios. I, I would be willing to bet initially it just begins with airstrikes on their military, uh, on the military uh, complexes, on their airstrips, uh, on all of their missile facilities, the best, the, the ones that we know of, the best of our knowledge. North Korea, it is quite remarkable, as a matter of fact, how little information slips through. Yeah. That place is on lockdown. Yeah. So we really don't know what's going on under there. <laughs> One thing we did just find out recently uh, is that they think Steam, you know what Steam is? No. It, it's like an online gaming service. Oh, okay. You know, uh, or it's like it's a store that you go to where you can essentially buy just computer games. Okay. Uh, and they released a map of everyone that has a Steam account in the entire world. And there's one little dot in North Korea, no right, way. where Kim Jong-un lives. <laughs> so he's just sitting there playing video games all he's day. He's got a Steam account. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's also so, 
Christ, what an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> People are literally eating bugs, and he's just like, well. Yeah, I, I can't, I, you know what, I, 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 can't probably, say that's, I can't say that that is an absolute fact. Honestly, well, then I, that is, I will admit, that's a meme that I saw. Yeah. Uh, well, it was something, it was a, an image that I saw on Reddit. But wait until he I, tries, it, it kind of seems like it should be true. Wait until, wait until he tries to swat Donald Trump. Like, <laughs> Donald, there's, there's a person in the White House with a nuclear bomb. Uh, swat will go there and take care of business, I guess. <laughs> I also really you you mentioned underlings. I want to talk about this one point in the speech that went has has gone completely under the radar from corporate media. Donald Trump was discussing his cabinet, and he was discussing how his cabinet he wants Congress to give them the right to basically purge anyone who is anti-Trump. It's and it's just kind of subtly put in there. Mm -hmm. This is the line. He said, tonight, I call on the Congress to empower every cabinet secretary with the authority to reward good workers. Mm. And Doesn't that, that sounds like Kim Jong-un. It sounds exactly sounds like Vladimir like. Putin, Kim Jong-un. It's, it's very dictator-ish. It sounds horrible. Uh, and to remove federal employees who undermine the public trust or fail the American people. Mm -hmm. What the fuck does that mean? And no one... Well, I'm sure some people caught it, but as soon as I heard that, I was like, my spider sense was like, oh, it's fascism. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, what's going oh. on? Unbelievable. So talking about uh, purging the government of anyone who disagrees with his administration. And this goes to the larger issue that we're seeing right now, specifically coming from the Republicans, specifically coming from Devin Nunes, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, regarding this memo, this four-page memo that supposedly shows Barack Obama colluding with the Justice Department to undermine and derail the Trump campaign. If they're so good at fixing elections... Hillary lost. Yeah. So, you know, as I said on uh, Fox News, they're worse than fixing a contest than the Pennsylvania Polka King. <laughs> I, I watched the documentary. Who fixed the election, who fixed a beauty pageant for his wife. She got dead last <laughs> and he made her win. It was amazing. It's the man who would be Polka King. It's only like an hour long it's documentary. It's 67 minutes, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's 67 minutes. It's oh, great. It I, I, I watched it night before last. It's it's amazing. Honestly, if chairs had seatbelts, I'd say buckle in. Because it it's a crazy... Crazy story. And then I watched Jack Black actually made a movie about it. I watched half of that, is too. It, is it any good? Yeah, it's fine. It's right. not, honestly, the documentary is better of because course, it's yeah. just the guy, Jan, what was it? Jan Luan, ja, I believe. Jan Levan. Oh, my. The polka. <laughs> it's a, it anyway. is about a polka, a polka musician who started a Ponzi scheme on accident. Oh, but he's also the American dream. And by the end of it, you I like the guy. I don't think he did anything that wrong. There were a lot of people who he, anyway took advantage he of him. Pre, he took he fucked up pretty bad. Yes, yeah, he he, yeah, he he did, he's a, a, Not a, a man a man with a dream who got in too deep yes. uh, that could have gotten out and was given a couple of chances to get out. He didn't and know what still else to didn't do. get out. I know it. Anyway, so check out that documentary. So when it goes to this release the memo stuff. Uh, Donald Trump, at the end of the State of the Union, said it's 100%. 100%. I'm going to mm -hmm. release it. Despite the fact that his uh, some members of his co uh, cabinet and uh, specifically when it comes to the generals are like, I don't think we should release yeah, this. This is a bad idea, yeah. When it comes to Donald Trump, the question, can he release it? Yes. Anything a president releases is no longer classified, and he could tweet out everything tomorrow. Yeah. Technically, that would be 100% legal. If a president releases it, it's not classified, and that's well within his constitutional rights. So we have the situation where Devin Nunes, 
wants to, or Nunes wants to uh, really take extraordinary steps using a provision that has never been used when it comes to this intelligence committee to release this memo uh, that, again, supposedly shows this uh, Obama administration colluding with the uh, colluding with um, uh, with um, intelligence communities to derail and undermine uh, Donald Trump's campaign. It, go, it goes into that larger um, phenomenon that we're seeing right now of purging anyone who disagrees with the president. When it comes to Peter, when it comes to uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, uh, all those text messages that were exchanged, the fifty thousand text messages. This idea, Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, was pushing of secret societies, which turned out to be a joke regarding uh, Vladimir Putin and beefcake calendars that they were going to send around the office for a good giggle and a good laugh after, theoretically, Hillary Clinton won. This is the secret society that everyone was uh, talking about. This uh, everyone had visions of Bohemian Grove and uh, you know scenes that I think should have been deleted from the movie JFK. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, but it but it, uh, it it proved to be nothing. Yeah. And so now we have a situation where the intelligence community, how that information was gathered, a lot of people think the Steele dossier, Christopher Steele, of course, that's where you get your PP tapes and all this other kind of stuff uh, when it comes to economic um, interactions between Trump and his corporations and the Kremlin and uh, Russian oligarchs and things like that. They're concerned that that will lead. Uh, the door open for national security, um, you know, for for danger to national security and things like that. But yeah. this it, or it just is it something where they're worried about revealing sources, re- re- revealing sources and tactics, mm-hmm. right? Not what actually, not what what the it might not be a national security threat. What the actual document contains, it's how that information was was received and how that uh, information, uh, how they got that information. That's where the national security threat is. Theoretically, they have agents in the field that may still be, that may have worked on that. It's similar to what happened with the outing of like a Valerie Plame or something like that, you know? So they want to protect the operatives that are in the field. And I'm sure because it's a relatively new memo going back just a year or so or two years that they would still be a lot of active members who might have uh, been uh, individuals who collected or helped collect uh, information that then, uh, would be used in this memo. So it just goes to the larger um, narrative, though, of the purging of government, of the purging of anyone who disagrees or dissents with this administration. I understand all administrations have the right, um, you know, to have the people around that they want to have around, but this is a new level when it comes to what Marcus read regarding congressional approval to have cabinet members literally uproot and, and throw out anyone who has a different political opinion. And it goes to also what Donald Trump uh, supposedly asked former FBI Director Andrew McCabe, who'd you vote for? Mm-hmm. And McCabe says, I don't vote. Because they know all they're all idiots. <laughs> Anyone who works in Washington is like, I'm not voting for one of these slobs. <laughs> you know, I just talked to this moron for, for you know, for whatever amount of time. Yeah, uh, and, and, and that's what it is. is they, they could fire anyone for undermining the public trust or failing the American people. And what, what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? I mean, is undermining that, the, the public trust releasing in, uh, accurate information about what the Trump administration is doing? Yeah. Is that what they think? Yeah. It's so subjective. Yeah, is undermining the public trust looking into uh, Donald Trump's business dealings with Russia? Because, what, I mean, that's what's happening. But does that fall under undermining what, the public right. trust? Whatever does they that fall, to do. Does that fall under failing the American people? I do not want the president to dictate what undermines the public trust. No. The whole point is checks and balances 
uh, on a congressional level, but also with with these institutions. We decide we're what undermines to... the public trust. We're, we're the, the public. public. Yeah. We're, 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 the, we're the public. We're the ones who decide who undermines the public trust. So I did think that that was a fascinating line um, that I don't believe uh, got enough attraction and enough uh, attention. Did not. Uh, Donald Trump also did briefly talk about the opioid uh, epidemic, although uh, not not really. Uh, he talked to, about this Albuquerque police officer, Ryan Holette, who adopted a young child whose mother was addicted to heroin, um, but really kind of skirting the larger just, issue. And again, both sides are complicit. As you know, Big Pharma has given $10 million bucks, basically evenly, a little bit more to Republicans on the congressional side. Uh, they're both complicit in what's happening with the opioid addiction. And unless we get Big Pharma money out of there, we're not going to see any changes anytime soon. I mean, that sort of thing. It, it, Big weed money yeah just start taking money from all these huge corporations that will be the eight billion dollar industry of marijuana yeah i I mean him pointing uh, pointing towards uh a cop is very telling you know with the opioid addiction like pointing (coughs) pointing towards a cop and saying like look what the police are doing incarceration is not a form of uh of um not recruit incarceration does not it does not lead to a wellness it does not no. lead to any kind of no to, um, to recovery yeah to recovery yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely not because he can uh, what donald trump can do is he can point at a cop in relation to the opioid crisis and not say like we're going to prevent that mother from dying in the first place mm-hmm. it's the cops will save you when those terrible people die when those when those terrible people who are yeah. on opioids whether it be you know your your mother or your brother or kids. your sister I mean, or your kids like you know it, it's it, it's removing though that you know it, yeah. it's removing it it's making it completely impersonal it, it's again villainous it, it, it's vilifying them and they're all they're all complicit the FDA allowing oxycontin to be given to 11 year olds to a couple of years back I, they're all complicit and Jeff it is, Sessions trying to roll back medical marijuana this whole idea that just say no you're getting it from a dude in a lab coat you're supposed to respect you're supposed to trust unless we want to completely undermine our uh, the the doctors and the medical institutions in this country uh, what are these kids supposed to do if you're 11 and someone gives you uh, an opioid and it's coming from a doctor you want that 11 year old to be like this is not right yeah no you have to we have to have some leadership coming from the top and a lot of that is just empty rhetoric and empty words and it's unfortunate because as we uh, mentioned briefly I believe did we mention this this uh, derailment uh, the Republicans in the retreat. Yes, uh, they're in West Virginia. Donald Trump won that state by forty-two percent. I say they just get out there and go have fun in the town. <laughs> they don't even don't even bother going to your retreat. But places like West Virginia yeah. are devastated by opioids, yes. and those are places that D- Trump has a foothold in, and he has an opportunity here to actually do something about it. And I hope, beyond hope, that he actually does. I just feel as if the writing, uh, if I'm looking at the tea leaves here, focusing on. Uh, law enforcement and focusing on that as a solution it's not going to work it's going to continue the problem and more people are going to die more people are going to be incarcerated more families are going to be ripped apart and this family that he applauded which i love that they took in this child that's uh, unbelievable it's great but there's not a lot of folks like that no and where where do the where do the unwanted kids go yeah where why don't you prevent that woman from ODing in the first place or do the best that you can you know we have to figure it out i'm not talking about having and i'm not talking you know 
going the, the way of Vancouver because they did it all wrong as well. Yeah. You know, we have to have rational policies in this country. Uh, incarceration is not the key to the opioid epidemic. Yep. The only tea leaf you need to look at is named Jeff Sessions, and that'll tell you exactly how Donald Trump is going to approach the opioid epidemic. He was happy as hell, by the way. All right, just let's briefly go to Joe Kennedy the third. <laughs> I am so sick of people trying to bring back to life John F. Kennedy. Okay, he's not coming back. I don't care who his descendants are, but I know Marcus. You yeah, but like- this one's got red hair. I know, which is nice. <laughs> now, you liked his speech a little bit more than I did. I, I, did. I did not hate it. Yeah. I did not hate it. Yeah. Uh, he had a crowd, which I thought was a, a smart move, because mm-hmm. usually <laughs> it's like a huge crowd for the president <laughs> clapping, going crazy, and then they just cut to someone who looks like they're giving a hostage speech. <laughs> or it's just an old man in a diner in Virginia with so a bunch awkward. of silent patrons. Why? This guy Fietti back there just been like, this is not Flavortown. Um, so he gave the rebuttal to the State of the Union. Uh, what did you think about it? First of all, I know what happened with the lips. Yes, we know what happened. We, we covered that. Chapstick, I guarantee you. I just don't get it, but we well, know first I don't of get all, it. First of all, Joe Kennedy III is an extremely clean-cut guy. In college, they called him the milkman. <sighs> Because he didn't drink. He, the only thing he drank, when they'd all go out to bars together, he'd only drink milk. Oh, that'll get the youth involved. <laughs> all right. So we got a guy who likes to suck down milk. At, I don't like it when people do things that are not normal for the institution that they're in. Uh-huh. If you're in a bar, you have a beer. Or, you know, just a mixed drink. Have or a co- or not if, if you're sober, maybe maybe soda cranberry. Coke. Not milk. <laughs> Can you imagine? What bars even have milk? No, they got to do white Russians. Some of them have milk. That's cream. And if he was slamming down cream, well, at least it's tougher. Well, I, I think the guy, what, here's exactly what happened, is that he went up, they did a little test, a camera test, before uh, he went on uh-huh. air, and his lips were fine. Before the speech, he got a little nervous, slathered on a lot of chapstick, uh-huh. and then once he got up on screen, they uh, realized that the lighting they gave him was a little reflective. I guess. Uh, and that's why he was... Uh, so shiny. Looks like a Russian doll, Conan O'Brien, and then you open it up and this guy. <laughs> well, well yes. uh, as far as his speech went, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's pretty uh, standard uh, Democratic stuff where it's, it's very lofty, high on rhetoric, low yeah. on ideas. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is a good first step towards what we were talking about last week, you know, where we're talking about, like, where do the Democrats go from here? How do the Democrats win? And yeah. I think that's what Joe Kennedy was trying to do. I think that's what the speech was trying to do, because I, I'm very uh, apprehensive of saying this is what Joe Kennedy was trying to do, because this wasn't about Joe Kennedy. This was about the speech. What the speech was trying to do. Joe yeah. Kennedy did not write that speech because no. it was it was a fantastic speech. I thought it was just copy and paste. I, I mean, was, I thought it was it full was, of catchphrases it was and very cliches. Well written, and I think I, I just feel like it was it was a copy and paste, and it wasn't reflective of what's actually going on when it comes to like the economy and stuff. That's an area where Republicans are currently winning. So I don't know why he focused. Uh, in the way that he did, I think there was a lot of inroads that he could have been making with uh, with immigration and things like that. But you know, I, I just didn't. I wasn't oh, feeling oh, come inspired. On. He made a but- huge inroad with immigration. But first of all, the the economy thing is that I think uh, on paper the economy is doing very very well. Uh, on paper, everything's doing great. Right. But I think uh, what they were do- what the Democrats were doing there is that I think they were reaching out to the people that are looking around in their own lives and thinking. That's not happening in my life right I now. Know, I, I mean, know. I think they're reaching out to people with you know student loan debt. They're reaching out to people that are working three part time right. jobs because you know no one will give them 
full time work. I, guess the, I think they're speaking to those people. But as far as like immigration inroads, like man, that fucking that Spanish uh, part, it hit. Very <laughs> just reminded me of a W moment. Hey, it, um, I, I think it, I think that hit like a motherfucker, man. I I, I think it hit. You very know, hard. maybe I'm just clouded because I hate dynasty politics so much, and yeah. I hate just. I think you got you how got difficult it was it for that. him to become a congressman? I, I mean, it's just <laughs> well, I, I, th- I it, maybe think, if he was a senator of North Dakota, yeah, I'd be like, wow, a candidate won in North Dakota. That's <laughs> impressive. Yeah, I, th- I think you got to remove it a little bit from that because I think when when he hit that Spanish part, like I I know being in a. Uh, half Spanish household yeah. uh, Carolina lost her fucking mind All you know right. because it, it felt like you know actually speaking towards a uh, a population that isn't just the white population no that's true it, you that's know like I, I think that made huge inroads okay. with immigration because I think All that's right. who he needs to be speaking maybe, to maybe I'm just a little bit cynical I just felt like it I was know, just I'm, so dude it I, was just such a political like and now I speak Spanish yeah. and everyone's <laughs> like wow I can't believe it you know but oh, yeah but, and yeah. I'm super cynical too about this I'm, I'm definitely not saying like this was a, a home run or that you know Joe Kennedy the third for president or anything like that because I, I think what if this is going to this could be seen as a turning port for the Democrats if they actually do anything well if they can because get some, yeah it was very good lip service but if the, unless they actually do if they if this is the start of the Democrats actually getting something done and possibly purging their own leadership a little bit, which would well, be fucking great. Good luck. If, if they if they got Pelosi and Schumer the fuck out of there, Dude. that would be fantastic. If this was the if this yeah. was the beginning of a new younger Democratic Party, then I'm saying that this this point is going to be looked at uh, pretty positively in okay. the future. But if the Democrats just keep going and keep going and keep going. This is going to be uh, it, it's going to be just like uh, it's going to be a tonsil stone moment. Like it's going to yeah. be something that well, we just I, either that we forget about or it's going to be a joke that, you know, like yeah. remember the chapstick. Like, you know, of we're course, just we're just going to Rubio in the water. Yeah, we're just know, remember Joe always, Kennedy's shiny lips. You know, yeah, that's if, all we're going to know about even, Joe Kennedy. Yeah, I think sadly it's already kind of been branded that way. But but that's that's true. I, I just ha- I'm losing faith in the Democratic Party to actually purge these elderly maniacs. Get, get out of here. Diane Feinstein, as we covered in the last episode of the last podcast on the left, knew Jim Jones in the 70s. What is going on? Doesn't anything disqualify you? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and uh, bring up Carolina again, like she made a, a pretty good point, like after the speech. You know, it's kind of like when your buddy brings around like a, a new significant other. Mm. They're very cute and they're very nice and they're fun, very fun to be around. You gotta kind of wait and see. Yeah, wait are and they, see. Are, wait and see. Are like they they look very nice. They seem very nice, and I think that's what uh, Joe Kennedy is. And I think right. that's what this kind of new sort of. I, I think that's what this uh, tax that the Democratic oh, Party is taking. It's like, yeah. you know, they seem nice. Let's okay. see. I just aren't there not Kennedys? <laughs> I just don't <laughs> understand. Kennedys, we, not Clintons. Yeah. Well, I mean, anyway. there's real. I mean, the Democrats really have a. We know how low their talent pool is. I know, I know. and and I think it, there are a lot of people that are jockeying for 2020 well, right and now. And as we talked about, you know, on the yesterday, uh, on last week's episode, uh, the um, the purity test for the Democratic Party is it's it's almost impossible. Yeah. So it's 
Uh, I get it. Um, and they can't really put like, you know, they can't put like Cory Booker or Elizabeth Warren. They yeah. can't put because they can also can't be shown like, OK, well, if you put Elizabeth Warren up there, then well, I don't think that she would do it anyway. Nor Cory Booker. It's, well, it's but, a funny position because it's actually kind of like, hey, good luck. You know, exactly. It's yeah. Be a big moment for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but yeah, everyone's like, that's the death win. That's the that's the, you know, the death of your career. Yeah. But you can also see like if they put any of those people up there, if they, if they put anyone besides like a somewhat unknown then it's seen as kind of a tacit endorsement for 2020 yeah but because of how long uh presidential election cycles run. of course we're, you know? almost, so, we're almost doing that already we're skipping the midterms entirely yeah it's going yeah, right yeah. to the general I, I mean and and so I, I think putting someone uh like joe kennedy up there you know the democrats don't have a lot of choice ted kennedy killed a woman yeah, but that doesn't have anything to do with Joe Kennedy. I know. I'm Come just on. gonna say it's. Gonna I saw bring, you tweet all that. All people I are gonna you bring, tweet that. All last everyone's night. gonna bring it up. Everyone's I, gonna be bringing up Ted Kennedy, JFK. You the brought affairs. up Ted Kennedy, but you were the first person I saw to bring up yeah, Ted Kennedy. I saw a couple of other people on Twitter. <laughs> like, I know it's un, it, that is that is unfair to bring up something his uh, uncle did. I know. I'm just saying. I'm so sick. I just the, anyway. It is fun, but yes, uh, we'll see. I uh, but I I see what your point is yeah. and. Uh, I just isn't as I tweeted as well. I want like a, a Bonnie Globalstein or something. I want like just some. I I really want something new. But yeah. uh, the I'm Democratic not... Party still does the old way, yeah. uh, which is uh, seniority based. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how they that's how they rise people up through their political ranks, uh, and uh, and that's why I, I think it's been detrimental to them. Yeah. Oh, I I not like the Republicans are spring chickens by any means. No, uh, obviously not. Uh, yeah. They they had a similar process. They've actually kind of flipped process back in uh, back in the day. The Republicans. Republicans used to be much more like, well, Bob Dole, you've been around for 50 years. You're, <laughs> you're the nominee, uh, you know. And, uh, and since then, yeah. uh, they've sort of uh, flipped their way of, uh, of electing nominees. And uh, I don't know if they're happy or not happy when it comes to Donald Trump. Uh, who the heck knows? Who knows? Either way, I hope uh, everyone is okay that was in the Amtrak train. And uh, the, there was a, uh, I believe it was a dump truck driver. Uh, he might have passed away, which is very sad. And uh, it might have been a derailment, in which case, go talk about infrastructure, Republicans. Infrastructure is extremely important. Well, Donald Trump did mention that. Yes, he did. And uh, we need it because the fact that we live in the wealthiest country on earth and we're worried about taking trains is not a good sign. Um, All right, everyone. Well, that that was the state of our union. Is it? All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Support all the shows here on uh, the Last Podcast Network. Obviously, no Last Pod, uh, page seven, all the shows here. Yeah. And find us on Twitter at Ben Kissel, at Ben Kissel1 on Instagram, Marcus Parks for everything. I'll do a hail yourselves, and uh, I think that's about it. Good night. And good, have good luck? Good. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? Good, good, <laughs> good night, and. So long. Sayonara. All right. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. 
Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated.